Amen. Wow, man, what a blessing. What a blessing. I now know what it feels like, worship team. Um, thank you for being such a blessing, and thank you for going before the word and just leading us into our worship of God. It is like a balm to my heart, and I am so grateful to God, to uh, the worship warriors of this church. Thank you so much um, for you. For those of you who do not know me, I am Dr. Jewel Gibson. I am the associate pastor of worship and media evangelism. And so some of you, I'm not Pastor Chris. I'm not. Look, my son says one thing, and, and I love this. He said, Mom, be yourself because everyone else is taken. All right? So, I mean, I, hopefully, look, if you don't get one point, be yourself because everybody else is taken. Amen? All right. I can go sit down now. All right. But look, you all, it is really, truly an honor and a privilege to be before you on today. Um, so I, I want to pause before I start this message and just give you a brief uh, testimony. And Audriana, thank you so much for your vulnerability uh, and just uh, sharing your testimony with us. Um, preaching the word of God is all I ever wanted to do in my life. It's all I ever wanted to do in the church. And so when I got called by a pastor to be over the worship ministry of a church, I can say that I was a little bit salty about it because it wasn't what I desired in my heart to do. But I want to tell you this. God let me know that it was important for me to be intimate with him through worship before I go out here and start preaching and teaching his word. So it, he took me on a journey. That journey was a long time. And I'm saying this because some of you have asked something of the Lord and it's taking you a long time, and it doesn't seem like God is going to grant that. But I want you to know that God has an IEP, an individual education plan for his children. Amen? It ain't a bad thing. It's a good thing. All right? And he'll kind of take his time and mold you and shape you. I am very emotional on this morning because... I am seeing what I asked God for when I was a kid all right. All right. coming to fruition. But guess what, you all? I was satisfied with, with whatever role God gave me in the kingdom. I was satisfied because you know what? I'm like, if God put me there, I'm going to be the best version. I'm going to represent him well in that position. I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but let's get it right. All right. I wanted to be the best. I wanted to represent him the best in that position and in that role. And I want you to know this, that whatever, it doesn't matter, whatever you've asked God for, just be the best where you are for him. Serve him with your whole heart because you never know what his IEP is for you. So I'm standing before you saying that God has granted me the desire of my heart. Now look, I am not Pastor Chris. I once was cute, but now I'm taking out the hey. We good now? Amen. We about to go now. All right. I love it. I love it. All right. All right. Amen. Amen. Well, you all, will you do me a favor? Will you open your Bibles with me? as I read from some select scriptures this morning. I want to begin in Numbers 13. I'm going to hit Numbers 14 a little bit, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. So I'm going to skip around a little bit, all right? But that's what we do, all right? That's what we do here. So if you will do this, let us stand. If you will do that for me, will you stand for the reading of God's word on this morning? 
let's go to Numbers 13. And it says, and it reads like this. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. I'm skipping to verse 17. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negra and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. 21, so they went up and explored the land from the desert of Zin, as far as Rahab and Labohamath. They went up through the Negev and came to Hebron, where Haman and Sheshai and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, lived. Hebron had been built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. When they reached the valley of Eskal, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eskal because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. Verse 26, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in Negra. The, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Verse 30, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But, when, but the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We, not, we saw Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And the last scripture, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. People of God, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. You may be seated. Let us pray. Lord God, we just want to thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord God, will you take these lips of clay and will you use them for your glory, Father God? Will you touch them? Lord God, I stand before you broken. 
there's nothing good in my flesh, but God, by your spirit, I stand. So God, you flow freely through me. Speak boldly through me, Father God, in the name of Jesus. May your people be built up and edified. May your name be glorified. And may the devil be horrified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen, Amen, saints. So, the title of my sermon today is Giving God More in 2024, your mind matters, the power of perception. As we continue um, in the Giving God More series, I wanted to take a moment to address the church's mental health and mental wellness. As a mental health provider and a leader in the church, I would be doing the church a disservice by not bringing some of my lived experience as a clinician to the church. So I want to share some stats with you, all right? I want to share some things with you about mental health in America, all right? According to a CNN poll, 90% of adults believe the United States is experiencing a mental health crisis. And I will say emphatically that this country and this world, we are suffering from a mental health decline. The majority of Americans believe that we are not in optimal mental health. So let me give you some fast facts real quickly. One in five U.S. adults experience mental illness each year. One in six U.S. youth aged 6 to 17 experience a mental health disorder each year. 50%, you all, of all lifetime mental illness begins by age 14. And you wonder why it's important that we have a next-gen pastor? Because we need it. We need it, all right? Suicide is the second leading cause of death among people age 10 to 14 years of age. So if the church is a subculture of society, that means we are struggling in here, right? So the question becomes, what happened what brought about this mental decay in our culture? What has brought about the mental health struggle in the church? Well, the answer is like, it's, it's multifactorial. That means there's a whole lot of things that contribute to us not being mentally well. But just like many chronic illnesses are a direct result, we're finding out that a lot of our chronic illnesses are directly tied to our nutrition. I would say many of our mental health challenges are directly due to our diet and our nutrition, all right? So I wanna ask you a question. What is your daily mental nutritional intake. What are you taking in? All right. And unless we are able to address this baseline question, we're going to struggle you all, even as the people of God, with optimal mental health and wellness. So church, I am of a firm belief that the only way we're going to give God more in 2024 is we are going to have to alter our diets with the goal of mind transformation and conformity to the image of Christ. So I tell my patients this all the time. Where your mind goes, your actions follow. So what you do, you all, how we respond, how we process, how we cope, the health and the depth of our relationships, what we value is directly related to our mental health and our mental wellness. 
There's a saying by the United Negro College Fund, and it says the mind is a terrible thing to waste. And that's true, but even more than that, the mind is a terrible thing to neglect. Ask the church, you all, some of us, if we are honest, we may need to go to rehab or an intensive program to get our minds transformed because we've let our minds go so long that mental unhealthiness has become our norm. And you may say, Dr. Joe, what do you mean mental health rehab? I'm going to tell you what rehab is in the church. That means that you need to check yourself into women's Bible study. You need to check yourself into Wednesday impact. You need to check yourself into men's fire pit where you have a community of godly men and wise counsel. We need to check ourselves into Bible study at work, small groups. You need to hit a podcast. Whatever you need to do, we need to check ourselves in to rehab because some of us have allowed our minds to be exposed to some things. And just like any other addiction, we can become hooked. <laughs> we can become cooked, you all. And I'm afraid that some of us have become hooked. Look, the enemy wants our minds. Why? Because Whoever has your mind has you. That's why he fights so hard for our minds. So in the words of Elder Sherman Smith, we're going to get our minds right. Okay? Somehow, saints, we have deceived ourselves into believing that Christianity is a thoughtless, mindless faith that takes minimal effort and that all we have to do is accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior in some kind of way the Holy Ghost is going to override our brains take control and lead us through the sanctification process effortlessly and flawlessly and I'm here to tell you because I love you that that ain't the way it works I want you to turn to your neighbor. I want you to wake. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, that ain't the way it works. That ain't the way it works. It's not the way it works. It's not the way it works. All right? If we're going to give God more, you all, in 2024, through the power of Holy Spirit, we're going to have to put some work into it. Okay? We're going to have to work into valuing, nurturing, protecting, feeding, purging, and repenting daily to renew our minds because, again, whatever has your mind has you. So I want you to know how serious this battle is. From the beginning of time, the enemy has been messing with our minds, okay? In Genesis, the serpent played mind games with Eve. We talked about that in women's Bible study. From the beginning, the serpent played mind games with Eve. What he did? He changed her perception of God as a loving, trustful, and just God to a God that was unfair and withhold good things from his children. She even chose to disobey God and operate in her lack of faith in her own understanding. And what did it do? It led to the fall of man. Question for you, saints. What is your lack of? of correct perception costing you. One area, if you don't get anything from this, one area, beloved, that, that the enemy will always use to derail the church is to change, to alter, or to minimize our perception of God. And if he can do that, it will directly impact our faith. He will always get us to exalt or trust in our own intellect, experience, discernment, our influence, your followers, your knowledge, your degrees, your money, your power. And he will always get us to exalt it above the sovereignty, the provision, the power, and the omniscience of God. 
The enemy wants you to put your faith in you. God knew you all that our perception could go totally rogue. That's why God left us in his word some instructions. In Proverbs 3, 5, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. This verse suggests that our perception and understanding is limited, you all. And it's flawed, okay? And what you ingest will contribute to that. So church, <laughs> I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but we will always have to contend with potential breaches in our perception. And let me tell you why. Because your brain is a very complex organ. All right. Your brain has billions of cells in it. And if you can think of your brain as a complex highway, it, oh, when you see something, you and I can see the same thing and our brain will go in different ways. You know why? It depends on your exposure. And we're going to talk about that. But what your brain will tend to do, and this is the way you form your perception of things, it will take shortcuts. It will connect dots, all right? So, for example, all green people have money. So every time, if you, your experience is that green people have money, then what you will do, you will walk around when you see green people, you may ask them for a dollar because green people have money, all right? Your brain will take shortcuts, all right? So why does your brain do that? Because it has to process all of the other things that are going on in the world. And so if it can take a shortcut, it will, all right? So you start thinking all green people have money. That's a quick thing. You don't have to think about that and your brain goes off somewhere else. But what if God is telling you that the green person needs your help? All right? Your perception can trick you and get you and me outside of the will of God and being obedient to God. So, I want you to look at something. You know, I want to talk about perception a little bit, okay? Let's talk about perception, because that's what I want us to talk about, the power of perception on um, this morning. So, what is perception? Perception is the mental process through which individuals become aware of, interpret, and understand the sensory information that they receive from the world. All perception is, is based on what you see, feel, hear, and expose to, how you internalize that, and how you react as a result of what you're exposed to. Perception plays a crucial role in shaping your understanding and my understanding of reality because you all know what you perceived is real to you. All right? Um, and it guides our behaviors. What we perceive is real, and it guides our behavior. Your perception is your reality. Okay? Your perception defines who you believe you are, how you believe, you know, your, your, your interactions with other people should go, how you feel about the world around you. Your perception guides your feelings, your emotions, your actions, what you say, what you think, who you influence. Your perception guides ultimately your destiny, okay? Your perception will even guide your intimacy with God, your submission to God, and your obedience and faith to God. If your perception even gets twisted about God, it will derail you and stop you from being obedient to God and prohibit you oftentimes from walking in faith. So, what influences our perception? If perception is such a big thing and it's so powerful, what influences it? Well, I want you to know that your perception and my perception is influenced by our culture, your friends, your family, your input, your motives, okay? It can be shaped by multiple things. So I have a book pack here, all right? And I have this for a reason. So 
have this up here, I have media. You may not be able to see it online. So media, all right? I'm gonna put this in my bag. Media can control your perception. You agree, disagree? Agree, absolutely. What you watch matters. What you expose yourself to matters. The length of time. I would go when I was doing uh, physicals, in-home physicals on seniors. They would have CNN on all day and all night and wonder why they suffered from anxiety. Your media clouds your perceptions. I'm going to throw this in here. Your beliefs and your values okay, help shape your perception of things. All right? Would you agree with that? Your belief, all right? Oh, I'm going to put this one right here for my moody people in the house. Your mood. Good mood. Bad mood. Guides your perception. Would you agree? When you're in a good mood, you see things a little different. You're in a hairy mood, you see things a little differently, all right? That's in here. Your emotions, your feelings guide your perception. There are some cognitive factors. You're like, what's that? What's your brain doing? Your memory, your attention, all right? That guides your perception. Oh, I'm getting ready to get one right here. Your past experiences, what you've been through. All green people mean, all red people, you know, I don't know. Make up your own, all right? All right? But your past experiences guide your perception. All right? Oh, pull this one out. There's a whole lot of stuff in this bag. Your trauma. Your injury, your hurt, what you've been through in life guides your perception. Okay? All right? Your culture guides your perception. Your friends guide your perception. I left one out. Reels guide your perception. <laughs> All of these things guide our perception. So you know what we do each and every day? We take it. And we carry it around with us. All right? That's what we do. They're shaped, all right? God knew that our perceptions had a tendency, based on our experiences, to get messed up. That's why he put over 100 scriptures in the Bible to deal with our minds. He knew that we had a potential to get it messed up. Can you show me a video? Will that video cue? All right. I want you to watch this video, all right? to bring this perception thing to life. If you can't pull it up, that's all right. yourself why these are the black stories we've been shown a narrow view that limits our understanding
Let's widen the screen so we can widen our view. Amen. Your perception matters. I'm not going to ask you all what you thought about that. There is no shame in your perception. I just want us as the people of God to be able to check our perceptions. Amen. So let's go to the text. Let's go to the text. Today we will be exploring a familiar story from the book of Numbers, chapter 13. It is a story about 12 spies who were sent by Moses and Aaron to explore the land of Canaan, the promised land. The Israelites, after years of wandering in the wilderness, were finally on the verge of entering the promised land. God had promised them a land flowing with milk and honey, and they were eager to claim it, okay? Now, in Numbers 13, they were in the wilderness of Paran, um, and it's estimated to be about between 50 to 100 miles from Canaan, which is the promised land. While this is a very well-known story, I believe that there is a deeper message hidden within it so today, we're going to be looking at the scripture with hopes of seeing how perception impacts faith and how faith impacts perception. We will also look at the power of perception and how it can ultimately shape our faith, our action, and ultimately our destiny. So let's go to the text and extract a few points from that. All right. So. This story opens up, Numbers 13, 1 and 3, and it reads, The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of this leader. Okay. All right. So I'm going to give you an application here because we're going to need this application to kind of go into this text a little bit. All right. So we're in tax season. All right. And... Many of you know when you do your taxes, you've got to save all, you saved all your receipts, hopefully, from 2023. Not unless you're me, all right? All right? So when you're in tax season, you have an accountant, or if you do your own, thank you, Jesus, but you've got to produce some receipts. Why are these receipts important? I hate tax season because i got to keep up with a bunch of paper and a bunch of receipts, all right? And so... When you turn those receipts over to the accountant, the accountant looks at the receipts and they're like, all right, we can give you a, you know, hey, hey, we can count this towards this. We can count, we can give you credit for this. And next thing you know, that tax bill goes down, right? Because you can claim some things on your taxes. Why? Because you have the receipts. So what happens is that, you know, when I didn't really have this concept about receipts that good, the accountant would come to me and be like, you owe, and I would have a heart attack, okay? I mean, I would grab my chest on that thing, all right? This is what you owe, all right? But then the accountant says, but if you can find the receipts, it will lessen the burden. Oh, I want you to hold on to that, all right? I want you to hold on to that. Now, if you look here in verse 1 through 3, you see that um, there was a directive given, okay, and a promise, all right? There was a directive and a promise, all right? The thing about this promise that is so unique to me as I look at this story is that this promise did not just start here in Numbers, this promise started back in Genesis, all right? If you look at Genesis 12, 7, you look at Genesis 13, 14, 15, Genesis 15, Exodus. I mean, if you start looking through the scriptures, and that's why I want us to do some work. We're going to rehab. We need to go and get our minds right. So we got to dig through the scriptures, all right? If you start looking at the scriptures, you will see that these promises, the promise of the promised land had been given to the people, the children of Israel, 
a long time, all right? And so what is happening here is that God is bringing them closer to the promise. Now, not only is he bringing him, them closer to the promise, he had been giving it to them and, and, and giving it to them. And the children of Israel, we all know because we're them, we, they were murmuring, complaining the whole way, all right? But they still had this promise, all right? And so God in his greatness put them with a prophet, Moses. Moses was able to tolerate all their mess, and he got frustrated, but he was the one that was leading them through to the promised land. Now, Moses had favor with God, all right? Moses is the prophet that God said, look, my other prophets, look, I speak to them in visions and dreams. Moses, I speak to him face to face, all right? Moses is the one that helped to lead them out of Egyptian slavery. Moses was the one that parted the Red Sea. God's by his power with his staff, the Red Sea split. Moses was the one that even when his sister came for him and his wife, she was struck with an acute case of leprosy. That's the Moses that we're talking about, all right? Moses had Craig. God was walking with Moses. So you're getting here, you're 50 to 100 miles from the promised land. And here we go with them getting this instruction. What am I saying to you in this? Is that God, up until this point, had a whole bunch of receipts that the children of Israel could look and see. The manna from heaven, water from the rock. They could see this journey, how, how when they got and murmured and complained, Moses interceded for them and said, Lord, don't kill them. Go with us. All right? So what I am saying to you is that they had receipts of the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. From, they, they had receipts. In addition to that, they were being led by a prophet who was, God was like, I, I talked to him face to face, all right? I'm talking about the intimacy, okay? The intimacy that he had with Moses. And so I want to share with you this, that don't forget when you're walking through life, don't forget to hold on to your personal receipts. Because when you start taking account and start putting your personal receipts down, God did this, God, it lessens the burden of life. All right? All right? It lessens the burden of life. So I want you to be encouraged to hold on to those receipts. Now, when Moses sent them, I'm going to verse 17, when Moses sent them to explore Canaan and to go up through, you know, the hill country, he sent them with a questionnaire for them to fill out, all right? First of all, he took the leaders. He took the leaders of the tribes, all right? So everybody didn't go. The leaders went. And one thing that I learned is the power of influence. I'm like, why didn't he just let all of them roll up in the, to the promised land at once? Well, no, he sent the leaders there because, you know, it is something about being leaders that gives you a level of influence, what I want to know, people of God, are how are you using your influence as the people of God to change people's perception towards the goodness of God? It's a question. All right? So here we go. He said, I, I'm going to give you a questionnaire, and there's some things that I want you to look in the land and see. I want to know what kind of land. Do they live in, or, you know, is it strong or weak, few or many? What kind of land is it good or bad, okay? Are the towns fortified or unwalled? Okay, how's the soil? Is it fertile or poor? You know, what kind of trees are in it, okay? And I want you to do your best to bring back some of the fruit from the land, all right? Now, he wanted the leaders to come back, basically. I'm going to put it with an executive summary, all right? of what they saw, okay? He wanted them to get a sneak preview of what this land looked like. 
so that they could come back and give a good report, attest to the faithfulness of God, and get the people energized and excited about taking over the land. He even had them to bring back a souvenir. You know, there's something about souvenirs. When I was young, I used to like souvenirs. When somebody went somewhere, I would want a souvenir. I would want to know where you went. And I would like, and you see some people, my mother, when I was moving her, she had all these magnets from different places. She would want a souvenir of a magnet, okay? But the thing is, is that the souvenir was to help you to kind of understand and get an idea of where that person had been. So he even had them to bring back a souvenir, all right? Now, The thing about leadership, the thing about your perception is that your perception is contagious. Your perception can infect other people. Just think about your children. If they're, if, if they're watching you and you have a positive viewpoint of something, they learn positivity, okay? If you have a negative perception about things, they will learn negativity. Your perception, okay, how you shape your perception and how you shape other people's perception around you is very instrumental, especially in the body of Christ. We need to be very careful about what we speak and what we say, especially as it pertains to the things of God. Because what we can be doing is directly impacting someone's faith. All right? So, the report that they brought back, you all, this is the part that is very... Uh, I'm not too mad about this. I want to talk about this. Let's go to verse 26, and it says, no, 27. It says, they gave Moses this account. So they went over there into the promised land, all right, that they were sent. Um, they brought back a souvenir, and then they were to bring back a report, all right? And basically, the report was this. We went to the land which you sent us. It does flow with milk and honey. There is fruit. Here it is. But the people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large, and we saw descendants of Anak, which these descendants were very tall, giant-like, all right? And then he went on to explain where the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites lived in the hill country. So I want to kind of give application to this. Have you ever been around anybody in your life that is always pessimistic? I call them David Downer, Denard Downer, Debbie Downer, Debbie Downer, all right? All right? This land was abundant. There was proof of its abundance. But then they put a but in it. Remember Pastor talked about the but that we put in things? Okay? All right? But the people are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. All right? Um, have you ever had a negative person come in and change the whole trajectory of a meeting, a conversation, a family reunion? It's some auntie, somebody who all they have is a negative vantage point. Negativity is learned, you all. And as the people of God, we've got to start changing that. Pessimism is a beast, all right? So I just want to share this at again. Um, your perception can be shaped. Your perception can be vulnerable, especially if you are feeding yourself a nutritional diet that causes your perception to shake, all right? You cannot feed yourself 90% drama and expect a great mindset. You cannot feed yourself 85% messy and expect to have a positive mindset, all right? Now, a couple other points. Now, Caleb, hearing this, he was like, whoa, wait, wait a minute, wait a, wait a minute, all right? 
Caleb starts speaking up and starts trying to calm everybody down because this thing has gone rogue, all right? And so what happened is that this mess, this, this mindset, this negative view, even though they had the receipts, the land had been promised, they had the receipts there, they even had a silver near. Caleb was like, whoa, because you know what? We got to get this thing back. We can conquer the land. You all, I need us to be that person to say God can conquer the land. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, God can conquer this thing, all right? I don't care how, look, the bigger they are, they just going to fall harder, all right? We just going to have the big, deeper graves. I don't care, all right? But God is bigger than any situation. So Caleb tried to quiet down the people, all right? But the men who had gone with them said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are, all right? And they started spreading this messy report amongst the whole land, okay? And then it says, David said, it devours the people that live in it and all the people. See, one thing about perception It'll take some people to all people. It'll take a little to it. Like, look, bad perception exaggerates a whole bunch of stuff. All right? So you've got to hold on. You've got, you've got to look at that. And it said one thing, and, and this is where I want it, and it says that there in this land, you know, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. I want to share this with you. Perception will mess up what you even think about yourself. What God thinks of you. What God has for you. It will mess that up and it will make you think that other people think the same way about you. You know what that's called in mental health? That's called projection. That's called when you take what you really feel about yourself and project it onto other people and make other people think that that's what they think about you. And as a result, you all, something happened. Something happened. And I don't want us to lose sight of the importance of perception and us filtering our minds through the power of the Holy Spirit. We've got to let our minds be transformed by the word by prayer, by submission, by repentance, by obedience. We've got to let our minds be reshaped because we always sometimes have these fairy tales. We look at the scriptures like, oh, God, you know, we're like, oh, God's got me. I'm good. But I want to let you know that the God, God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So I need you to go to Numbers 14, 36 and 38. And it says, the 10 men Moses has sent to explore the land, the ones who incited rebellion against God with their bad report were struck dead with a plague before the Lord. Of the 12 who had explored the land, only Joshua and Caleb remained alive. Your perspective matters. Your perception matters. Look, you all. We don't know when God is going to say, you know what? Enough is enough. I've shown you my hand. I've shown you who I am. I've given you things, dreams. I've given you things that you don't know when God is going to be like, I'm done. You will not fulfill that. You will not have that. Your perception matters. And so as the body of Christ, I want us to fight for perception. The way that you do that is by the power. You can't do it by yourself. Only the Holy Spirit in you can guide your perception of God. You cannot perceive a God any way that you do not know. 
You've got to purpose yourself. Christianity is not a mindless, thoughtless pursuit. You are going to have to unconform yourself to the world. You're going to have to transform yourself. It is going to take energy, strength, intentionality, but more than anything, it is going to take the Holy Ghost to be able to do that in and through you. But you know what you have to do? You have to say yes. You have to obey. And you have to realize that your perception can cloud your view of God. And as a result, it can change the trajectory of your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. I am done on this evening. I'm this morning. I'm done. I'm done. All right. I pray that you learned something on this morning. Perception is everything. Perception is everything. Let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, we also know that we are in this world and this world does its job on us. But Father God, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Lord God, will you give us the will to want to transform our lives so that we can know that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God for us, Father. Lord God, if there's someone here, I don't want anyone in here to walk in shame. Sometimes our perceptions have been totally wrong. We have treated people. We have done things. Lord God, we are walking in a way based on our perception, the baggage that we carry, Father God. But we know that you can lift that. Lord God, will you transform our minds and let us know that, Lord, we don't want to lean to our own understanding. Our own understanding is messed up sometimes. But Father God, will you allow us to be renewed in our minds? Father God, submit our perceptions to you. Let us not just get so locked into that perception that we don't see you, see people, see your will, your purpose for us the way that we need to, Father God. Will you lead us, Father God, as only you can do, Father? And so, Lord God, we thank you for your word that continues to sharpen us, that continues to guide us, and to continues to lead us in the way everlasting. You are good. Your mercy endures forever. We're going to hold on to the promise that you are our hope. You are our strength. And Lord God, let that never depart from our hearts. Allow us to trust you and to follow you. Not based on our understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge you. And you will bring it to pass. We bless you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen, church. Go in peace.